we're talking about come believing. I'll tell you something. Um, no keyboard, please. There are there are certain results you don't start seeing spiritually until you learn how to position yourself in such a way that God can answer you in that manner. So we're talking about come believing. And I'll give you a few examples soon. How many of you know about the gift of special faith? How many of you have heard about it? Special faith. If you've read the gifts of the Spirit, which are told to us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 7 to 9, we are told that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone to profit with all. That means each and every believer is given the manifestation of the Spirit. There is no believer who is not gifted. It's not possible. And it's for the profit of everybody. So if a believer is sitting on their gift, it's other people who are going to suffer. Now, it lists a number of them for us. It tells us about the word of knowledge. It tells us about the word of wisdom, right? It tells us about... Uh, discerning of spirits. It tells us about the gifts of healing. It tells us about the workings of miracles. Which one have I left out? Uh, the gift of... It tells us about diverse kinds of tongues, right? And then interpretation of tongues, and then the gift of prophecy. Have I mentioned all night? I left out one. Then it tells us about a faith which is called special faith. And often I've been asked by people saying, what really is this one, the one that's called special faith, and how does it work? Now, I'll give you from my personal experience. One of my recent encounters with special faith was, I think about a year or two ago, I don't remember, could be about two years ago, while having a conference, and they brought a certain little boy who was deaf and dumb from birth. And uh, when we called an oracle for healing, that little boy was brought. And I had dealt with issues to do with deafness before, but never 100% deaf and dumb. Usually it would be one ear, you know, it's easier that way. But I hadn't dealt with a case where someone has come and both ears can't hear and, you know, the mouth can't speak. And interestingly, I dreamt about that years before. There's also another dream I had, which I'm going to see soon. There's a dream I had, which I'll see soon. There's a dream I had. I'll never forget it. Okay. I'll tell you about it another day. Let me tell you about it now. Yes. A leg grew out. Okay. So that little one was brought to me. And I remember laying hands. You know, there's no way of communicating. I don't know sign language. It's a conference. If the guy can hear you, clearly it's a loud conference. I mean, you will know. And... 
we're just meeting each other for the first time. It's not that you can preach a sermon first and say, have faith. How will you have it? And I would say I wasn't really sensing a result. And then, boom, it came on me. Like you could tell that something has just, you, I could tell. Those who've worked with me know when, when, when that happens. And when that happens, one of the worst things I, I, I want is a person moving about or a phone rings. And boom, it happened. Do you know what I did? The moment I sensed it, you can imagine, I've been praying for someone privately and it's not working. I sensed special faith. I made everyone keep quiet. I wanted them to, I wanted them to watch the prayer because I knew. <laughs> I was 100% sure. And the little boy stayed hearing and speaking. His... Interestingly, his mother invited me home afterwards because, you know, it was such an amazing miracle. And so I went to visit them. Now, in that moment, it's like, let's say your faith is level 15. And then God's faith is level infinite. And then the difference between but then that miracle needs level 30. So the difference between yours and his, for the sake of that miracle, will come upon you like a gift. But you can work out your faith in such a way that you won't need that experience again for you to be able to work out the same miracle. Two weeks later, we had a service here. I think it was in June. We had the Jesus the healer service. How many of you remember? And there was a little girl deaf and dumb. This time we knew what to do. We're like, ah, they've heard another one. <laughs> Why? Because we had now learned to come believing. There is now an expectation that we had. You will see as we go on. Give me St. Matthew's Gospel. Chapter number three. Come believing. Give me verse 17. Come believing. Ask your neighbor, did you come believing? What have they said? Ask them, what are you believing for? Um, very soon, I'll show you the relationship between what you believe and what you say. But let's go on. Uh, then do we have the new King James? Okay. Now, this is talking about Jesus' baptism. I just want us to see something. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So the voice came from heaven and said about Jesus that he was God's beloved son and God was well pleased with him. But I want us to look at Matthew chapter number 4, when Jesus was tempted. Let's go. Let's start from verse 1. But we'll concentrate on verse 6. So Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's interesting. The Spirit literally led him to be tempted. On purpose. You know that, right? 
because he had to overcome a certain level of temptation. He had to overcome the ultimate temptation. Why? Because he was coming to die for us. He had to, he had to be tempted in all ends like we would be. And you'll notice that according to the book of James, the, the major temptations are described as the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. And you observe... Let's go. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Next verse. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Praise God. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. What did God tell him he was? The Son of God. What is Satan coming to say? If you are. If you are. What is he doing? He's challenging the very word God told him. You find God has told you you're healed. God has told you you're walking in divine health. The very next day, there's a challenge. Satan will usually try to attack you in the very area that God has spoken. So that he gets you to question. That way you no longer come believing. Suddenly you start saying, God, if I'm your son. That's not how Jesus responded. Look at verse 6. Let's start from verse the first one was ten stones into bread, but I want us to look at the second one. So he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means you should live by bread and every... Okay, next verse. <laughs> then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. On the day that we talk about the prophetic, we might look at this because it's interesting that... Okay that the devil took him up. The other one even showed him a vision. And that's the son of God. So don't expect us to believe you simply because you said you had a vision. Who we'll test it? Okay? Just because you've had powerful dreams, then in the next one is powerful. The word of God is not subject to your dreams. And say to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Satan can even quote scriptures. Imagine, he's telling him, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's Psalm 91 that he's quoting. What does he reply? It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, that's rightly dividing the word of truth. Because the scripture is not saying, oh, simply because it is written, you shall not dash your foot against a stone, so let me just go and throw myself down. That's now tempting him. That's now testing him. Now, what, what does it mean you shall not tempt the Lord your God, or you shall not put the Lord your God to a test? How many times do we try to put God to a test? No. If you really love me, today may I have a lift. Are you telling me that God's love for you is going to be determined by whether somebody gives you a lift or not? You know what? There's a high chance probably all of us have prayed such a prayer before. And God in his abundant mercy has at times come through and answered. Don't make that a doctrine in your life. You'll be shocked one day. 
you'll be amazed. It says, don't put him to a test. Don't do that. What should you do instead? Come believe in. You've seen in the scriptures that you walk in divine health. And then you want to be walking outside with no shirt in June. There's no reason to do that. There's no reason, is there? That's being unwise. And you might pay for your own foolishness. Okay. We are going somewhere. What I'm trying to say is that don't take the approach of trying to prove. Come to a place where you already believe. Jesus refused to... Listen, God has already said, you are my son. Satan is not going to tempt him into thinking, okay, so if you are the son. It means that his sonship was going to be determined by whether stones turned to bread. Now, what if they didn't turn to bread? Praise God. Okay, one day we'll come back to this. Haven't you noticed that when Herod, was it, no, not Herod, was it Pilate, who wanted him to perform some kind of miracle, he was just quiet. He was not going to be validated by Pilate. He preferred to do a miracle for a prostitute than for Pilate who was trying to prove whether he was God. We are going somewhere. So how must we come instead? Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 11. So that act would have been birthed by some form of unbelief. It would have been birthed by some form of doubt. Because Satan was making him question his very sonship. Or the number of things Satan makes us question. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11. Now let's look at verse 5 and 6. We are being told about certain people who did certain things by faith. There is a gentleman who never died. He never tested death. Death refused to grab a hold of him. May that be your story. Amen. I, I'll say it again. May that be your story. Amen. No, this world is dangerous. Young people, not you. Not you. I said not you. And I'll keep saying these things because I have to speak life over you. Amen. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. His body wasn't even found because God had taken him. I don't know what on earth happened. Oh, you know, it's that God had taken him. Money will come to a place where people are not dying. They just go. So I, I, I just thought I should inform any, all of you here. Um, in case you are having thoughts, even to those listening, you're not going anywhere. We've got a lot of work to do. No, there are so many sicknesses. They won't, you won't catch them. Amen. It's not possible, not you. Okay? And we need to be here so that we preserve those who don't believe. Okay. So he says, by faith he was taken away that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. And before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Hold on. So he had a testimony that he pleased God. By the way, I was reading earlier, eh? I think verse 3. I was thinking, because we're having a partnership Sunday on April the 4th. No, 5th. 
April 5th, we're having a partnership Sunday. Partnership Sunday is where we give a lot of offering. Just because we want to. And I saw a scripture that amazed me. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. I was amazed. God gave a testimony about Abel. And it says, God testifying of his gifts. And though, through, and through it, through his gift, he being dead still speaks. Praise God. When we build our own building, you know there will be blocks that will be talking about you. There will be blocks that will be saying, like, sometimes you're seated, that block is talking about you. It's praying for you. Like, <laughs> Anyway, it's okay. So let's, let's go to our verse. So it says, there was a testimony that he pleased God. How did he please God? Next verse. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So how did he please him? By faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It doesn't say without tears. It doesn't say without... Listen. You can... Cry as loud as you want. That will not be counted as faith. Uh, listen, am I saying we don't have emotional moments? No, please, have an emotional moment. Do whatever people do when they have emotional moments. After you are done. <laughs> Hallelujah. After you are done. Let's switch on faith now. <laughs> no, let me tell you what I'm saying. This. Some people think, oh, God will answer because I'm so sad and I'm so miserable. That's not his language. That's not the language that he speaks. There are certain, have you noticed that there are higher places in life have got a definite language? For example, you are traveling out of the country. There is a language called a passport. And there are certain protocols you observe. They don't care. No, you are post-afraid. They make me remove my belt and remove my shoes. And you know, sometimes it's funny. You find the person searching you even knows you. Like, ah, Abusa. That's just a question make a belt. And worse off in the other countries. Hey. Because the time I didn't know that you can't pass with a drink. They made me leave it. <laughs> I didn't know. Anyways. They, even if you had to go there and say, please, I'm begging. I'm so sad. I need to go on the plane. I need to go see somebody so dear to me. And they've only got one minute to leave. If you don't have a passport, you are not boarding. If you sneak in, you will not come out. There's a gentleman who held on to a plane. I don't know if you saw that. Was it last year? And then he fell off. <laughs> he was trying to escape to another country for a better life. So he fell off in London, I think. <laughs> no, but the guy is tough. All the way. <laughs> Listen, so what am I trying to say? If earthly things have such protocols, don't you think heavenly ones have as well? So I've been shown that without faith, it is impossible 
impossible to please God. It's impossible. Try as hard as you want. It's impossible to please him without faith. And then what does he tell us? For he who comes to God must believe that he is. So there is a way you must come when you're coming to God. You have to come believing. Come believing that he is. And that he is a rewarder. So, firstly, you are coming believing who he is. And then you are also coming believing what he does. So you come believing that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Praise God. So you come believing. Come believing. Come believing. Those are the ones who get the most results. There are people who've gotten results even when they've not believed much. They should really thank God. That is abundant mercy. But there is a way that always works. It says, he that comes to God must come believing. Let's continue on this. Let's think about the man who is called the father of faith. How many of you know the father of faith? Who's the father of faith? Abraham, eh? You used to sing that song in Sunday school. I'm trying to see who attended Sunday school. <laughs> and who was a legend. <laughs> I, I saw a photo that every house has that legend today and go to church. <laughs> was somebody here that legend who used to find a way to somehow not be around? Okay, so let's look at Abraham. Can you imagine if we've seen certain results when we've come a certain way, when we've doubted, when we, when we thought it was over? How much more if we're to build our faith? How much more? You will see because I think next week or the other week we'll look at little faith, we'll look at strong faith, we'll look at weak faith. And we'll look at great faith. I want us to look at this. Take me to Romans 4. Whenever I want to read on faith, I go to Romans 4. And let's go to verse 17. So you must understand that faith is the only way to transact with God. Faith is the only currency he understands. You can't have a transaction with God without faith. And if you've done just a little bit of communication studies, you understand that how somebody interprets what you're communicating is just as important as what you're communicating. For example, how many of you know that for those of the Indian folk, in terms of their gestures, when they do this, they mean yes. And when they do this, they mean no. Now, so meaning to communicate effectively, you, ha you have to understand their symbols. I don't know if you're getting my point. For example, red in, I think red, the color red in China and in the US stands for different things. In one country it stands for freedom, another country it stands for danger. 
What am I trying to say? The, the language to communicate with God with is the language of faith. That's the language you communicate with him with. Okay, Romans 4 verse 17. Now, this is talking about Abraham, and it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did stay there. That means that there is, it's showing us what he believed about God. And so there is a clear, there is a, there, there, there is a, there is a correlation between what he believed and what he received. So this is what he believed. He believed that God can give life to dead things. And he believes that he calls things which do not exist as though they do. That's why God didn't say, you will be the father of many nations. God told him, you are the father of many nations. <laughs> and that's the language God understands. I'll, there was something that happened last year. There was something I was, I was praying for. I was praying for. I was praying for the church. I was taking some serious time to pray for people and their finances. And so... I was waiting to hear a word from God, and one morning, I was just waking up. You know, you can tell you're awake, but you're half asleep. And suddenly, it's as if I was outside, and then these three people came to me. And they walked up to me, and they said with one voice, they're like, we have been sent by the Lord to give you a message. And half a sec, just in that moment, I fell on my knees. Then I got up a bit shy. Like, I don't know why I kept falling on my knees. The glory was just too much. And they began to give their messages one by one. And you know, I think I was in a bit of a confused state. So towards the end, I was like, which church do you go to? And they looked at me as though they wanted to laugh at me. And so they just looked at me and laughed. And at the same time, they said, Bethel, the house of God. And I knew what that was. I knew immediately that, oh, remember when Jacob slept at a rock called Bethel and then angels were descending and ascending? Okay. And some of you may not know, but do you know what I did with my room? I got a poster called Bethel, and I stuck it on my door, declaring that I will be having such encounters. It's been stuck there for years. Okay, I'm getting a bigger one. So now, um, <laughs> now there was something interesting. I asked them, they, they gave me a message about three different things. They told me how, how our numbers were about to increase. How many of you can tell our numbers are different last year and now? And then they told me, Something to do with the gifts of the Spirit. And then they told me something about worship. Okay, that's why I tried to get us to worship together a lot. So I was like, ah, Nanga, there was that kind of issue. <laughs> I was waiting for them to like, talk about that kind of issue. You know, I was, I was praying for both. For you. And then, so I did ask, ah, Nanga, the commanders. And then they looked at me like, with that look of, you prayed. <laughs> that's like, it's already answered. And I realized, oh my goodness. There, there, there is a language God understands. So meaning, I must come believing. That's why I'm very sure about where all of you are going. He's already answered. He already answered. Let's go back. So it says, I've made you the father of many nations. I want us to take note of what he believed. He believed that he's a God who gives life to dead things. And he also believed that he's the one who caused things which are not as though they are. Now look at the next verse. You've taken note of those two things, right? Uh-huh. 
and being and because we went too fast. And now this is what it says. So he believed that about God. And then it says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. What did he believe? What did he believe about God? Come on, remember the two things. Number one, he gives life to dead things. Number two, okay, so contrary to hope, believed. So this, his situation was beyond hope. So that he became, so after he believed, he became. He moved from believing to becoming. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now look at the next verse. And being and not being weak in faith, so you can be weak in faith. We'll talk about that. He did not consider his own body already dead. You'll get it. Since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, wait there. What was the challenge Abraham's body was facing? Dead. His body was already dead. What was the challenge of Sarah's womb? It was dead. What did he believe? He's the God who gives life to dead things. That's what he believed. So, there is a serious relationship between what he believed and what he experienced. What else did he believe that he's the God who caused things which are not as though they are? What did he become? The father of many nations, despite not having a child first. So what he believed is what he became. So when he was approaching his God, he was approaching the God who gives life to dead things and the God who caused things which are not as though they are. Come believing. Now, take notes. What does Abraham believe about God? He gives life to dead things. You could see that by some of the decisions he made. Some decisions he made look very funny. I want us to take, take a look. There's a decision he made. Do you remember when God came to, to, to Abraham and said, give me your son, your only son. That, that same son, the one named Isaac. And bring him to me as a sacrifice. There are some of us who think that maybe... He could have easily just had another child with Sarah. But even if he had 10,000 other children with Sarah, the promise was never them. The promise was always Isaac. By the way, how many of you know that once a door opens, it has opened? Do you know that Abraham had other children with another woman after Sarah died? Yeah, I think, is that Keturah? Was it Keturah? Abraham had like six of them, I think. He had, an, he had other children. Read the book of Genesis. Ah, that guy, that, that's serious faith. His body is as good as dead. He didn't just come back for, <laughs> for one child. Ah, no. The guy was even able to marry again after the wife died. What manner of faith is that? Okay. That blessing your experience is not once off. Someone may be in this place and maybe for a long time you prayed for employment. Finally a job came. And then it's seeming hard. Listen, the answer was not the job. The door has been opened. You can have a thousand more. The answer was not that one customer. The door has been opened. The answer is customers. You can never go back to square one. Now, I want us to say something about Abraham and Isaac. 
So why did Abraham believe that God can give life to dead things? Some of you are already catching it. There are some of you who have caught it. Hebrews 11, verse 17. Hey, you respond. (laughs) When I do that, you know what's happening? It's just too much. You have to let it out in a melody. Who's ever expressed that? Oh, you know, sometimes when I'm reading this stuff, like I think some of the guys who'll be with me will testify. Sometimes I'll be reading this stuff and I'll just shout, like I, I just can't give it to myself. Okay. Come on, friend. You're the calmest preacher I know. So let's go. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. I want you to understand something. The promise was Isaac. The promise was Isaac. If Isaac was cut off from the picture, that's it. But why did he still offer him? Next verse. Of whom it was said, now listen to this. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. In short, not in Ishmael, not in any other child you can have. Even if you and Sarah to have another child, that's not the one. And then God asks you to say, bring that child as a sacrifice. Verse 9. Wait, before we go to verse 19. Let's remember again what other two things Abraham believed about God. Number one. Number two. And so then, after this, God gives life to to his dead body, and his dead body manages to produce a child. God asks for that child. Isaac offers him by faith. Where is the faith in that? Look at the next verse. Concluding. Go back. (laughs) Go back. Wait. Some of you are already quoted, right? Now, when you say the word concluding, the guy had a board meeting with himself. The guy sat down and said, okay, let's have a discussion. Okay, this child has been asked for. You know, like let's say before a bank gives a loan, a big one, they will check certain things about you. And so now they say, okay, who am I dealing with? Okay, I'm dealing with the God who asks, the God who gives life to dead things. And that same God has asked me to bring my child to be killed. But this God gives life to dead things. Let me tell you something. Do you know that Abraham was expecting to come back with Isaac? Can I prove it to you? Next verse. Read it. One, two, three, go. Wait. <laughs> Are you seeing that? So, when he was saying... Okay, you guys remain here. We will be back. (laughs) Listen, in the morning, he tells Sarah, Sarah, Sarah asks, where are you going? Ah, he thought this one is not at the level of faith of me. eh? Okay. So he tells Sarah, don't worry, we will be back. He wasn't lying. He knew he was dealing with us. As far as he was concerned, Isaac was the promise. 
And if he had to chop off Isaac, God would still raise him back from the dead. And that's, that's the mentality he wants us to have. Such a man. Such a, what, what would God do with such a person? What are the cases God will send you for? When you start daring to believe that anything is possible. And I'll tell you this, eh? I'm telling you this as a preacher. Sometimes someone may think these are the easiest messages to preach. They're not. I'll tell you why. Because as it stands, the more I've preached these messages, the harder the cases people have brought to me. Have you noticed that there are certain, someone would ask, how comes that people get healed in some services, sometimes they will get healed in some. It's very simple. There are sick people who are just not taken to some services because they've not heard anything about them. Let's be honest. When they hear you talking like this, okay. <laughs> they, they bring you the toughest of toughest cases. But I, I don't know about you. I, I, I don't know if there's anyone here who's saying, God, I'm full, but I'm not satisfied. I don't know if there's anyone who's saying, there's more we can see. Like, this is what has kept, for me, this is what has kept my spiritual life alive. That's why I've not had opportunities to backslide and come back and backslide. That, that's too boring. There's too much adventure. There's so much to see. There's so much. And we've just touched a little bit of it. Just a little bit of it. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Imagine why a plane, plane is about to crash. Someone, someone refuses. Holds it up in the name of Jesus. And, it, and, 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 and this is something that's recorded and it comes down, down, down. Imagine an accident scene. There are bodies all over. Then there are some people who have refused. They come and say, in the name of Jesus, particles start coming together. Bones start coming together. That's, I'll be honest with you. For those who've just known me, that's the Christianity I fell in love with. That's why I do anything to, to defend that one. I, 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 I can't relate with, I can't relate, I, I, no, I just can't relate with any outer, modern, seeker, seeker, no, I, I want that one, I want that one, I want, you know, that one, that one from the Bible. The one where Jesus sends his disciples saying, go into any city, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, tell them the kingdom of God has come in this place. Some of your villages, people are afraid to build because of one witch. <laughs> you go there and say, oh guys, it's safe now, I'm here. It's safe, I'm here. I'm, I'm just talking about that kind. And... For us to get to that one, we need to, we need to put back some of these basics. And one of the basics is this. Come believing. Come believing. But the question is, what must you believe? Let me just show you one verse, one portion of scripture. 
Because, take me to John 11. Let's read this conversation. Do you know that if you've not, um, if you've not seen it, go to my podcast. I think it's after the podcast on epignosis. There should be one where I talked about higher truths. I've just forgotten the name. Do you know that you can settle for a lesser revelation and stay there? And that's all you ever experience. That's why people are getting bored with their Christian lives. You can settle for a lower revelation. Let's look at an example of this. John chapter 11. And I want us to see verse... I want us to see... Verse 14. Let's start from verse 11. Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'll go wake him up. Learn to redefine situations. We'll talk about that in another day. But learn to redefine it. Some of you have gotten to relate with me. Recently, I've, I've been teaching you a few things, right? One of the things I've taught you is never panic. Don't define a situation as so bad. I, I don't do that for me. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. It's horrible. Everything is just falling apart. Mm, 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 mm. Take a step back. Analyze it well. You will just make it worse if you panic. But let's look at something interesting. Let's use the New King James. Now, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for days. I don't know who I'm speaking to whose situation seems to have gotten worse. Let's go on. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, hold on. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So her revelation was at the level of if he had been there, the brother wouldn't have died. She had revelation of the Jesus who could heal the sick. That was it. Uh-huh. That's what she believed for. Now, Martha, but then she says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. But then she confuses herself again. Let's go on. And this is where many of us have an issue, where your faith is like this and like this. You believe you're healed. You believe for healing. You believed you'll be healed one day. All in the same prayer. Okay. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Look at her answer. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again. Oh my, Martha, you think you know it all. And she says, I know you will rise again 
in the resurrection at the last day. Are you seeing how sometimes weak faith can, you can be confused. One minute, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know God will give you what you want. Okay, he will rise again. I know he will rise again on the last day. Her revelation was of the resurrection on the last day. But what does he respond? I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> like, come on, you're waiting for a day. I'm here. You're waiting for a day. I am here. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. But there's even, there's even a greater part. And it says, uh-huh. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Oh, he says, I am the resurrection. In short, I am the come back to life. He's the God who gives life to dead things. Can give life to a dead thing. Something in your body may have died. He's the God who gives life to dead things. Your career may have died. He's the God who gives life to dead things. Your hopes of a marriage may have died. He's the God who gives life to dead things. So, the lady was going to postpone. Sometimes you hear people say, okay, you know what? Okay, who's that for now? And you know, they'll sing songs. Hey, I am just a weary trumpet marching through this world of sorrow. And just believing that one day in the sweet by and by, it will be good. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He is the resurrection and the life. So if he's the re you can experience what others are waiting to experience in the sweet by and by. That's why in Hebrews it talks about those who've tested of the powers of the age to come. And when the greatest moves of God have been built because there were meetings like this and people talk like this. And that's the faith that we are venturing. And that's the faith I'm introducing you to. That's the faith we are building, all of us. It's not for special people, it's for everyone. Imagine he says, I am the resurrection. But now I want us to see something that happened when he raised him. One last verse. And he says, verse, and you know what, someone will say, no, it was a spiritual meaning. My friend, spiritual meaning or not, the guy was dead for four days and he came back to life. Let's never forget those things. John 11 verse 41. John 11 verse 41. They took the stone away from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And what did he say? Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He says, I thank you that you have heard me. He says, I thank you that you have heard me. He came believing. He came believing. He said, I thank you. The next verse, what does he say? The interpretation of that. Where are those 
where those men and women that will shake heaven with their faith, that will grab a hold of what's in heaven and bring it down on earth. Kendimbro oseke here. For like I said to Isaiah, who is there? Who shall I send? Who shall I send to represent me? Who shall I send? Pendokoski ever a son take here. For everyone listening to this message, don't take it as just one of those messages which will help you receive one or two things. No. This is a message that's empowering you to change the world. That many shall turn to the Lord because of your faith. For the people that are in the Bible, their faith has ended up changing our lives. Their lives that will be changed because of your faith. That says the Lord. And Jesus said, I know that you always hear me. He didn't say, listen, he starts by saying, I know you have heard me. Then he says, I know you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. People's lives will change because of your faith. People won't die on those boats because there is a poor on that boat. There is a poor on that boat. There is a poor in that bus. There is a you in that bus. No accidents because of you. The roads are safe because of you. And the next verse... The guy didn't say it in his heart. The guy didn't keep it to himself. He knew God was ready to answer. And he cried out with a loud voice. Leave Come forth. We've got a minute or two. Listen. You may have come to this service for one thing. But you found yourself in that kind of service where God is commissioning. Come on, lift your hands and just say, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to be one of those that will shake the world with my faith. I believe, I believe you are the healer. I believe you are the deliverer. And I'm ready to take this message. I'm ready to take this gospel everywhere. Korabashata kalabahas. Jeketekelebosh.